0: This is mike paterno and i want to welcome you to mostly unseen with jeff boucher i want to thank you for joining us we're happy to have you with us today jeff is the pastor of millpond church i want to let you know that any of these segments from our podcast will be accessible through our website at millpondchurchny.com we're starting our series the invisible hand and our exposition is chapter one of daniel this book has a lot of prophecy leading to messianic prophecies and we're going to start to get into some of them tonight. With me, as always, is our host, Pastor Jeff Boucher. Welcome, Jeff.
1: Mike, great to be here. Um, pretty excited about this new series. Daniel was one of my favorite books. Mm. I came to know the Lord at 16, and this book grabbed me from an early age. Um, and probably because back in the 80s, that was the time of, you know, the end of the Jesus movement, all the, the prophecy conferences that were going on. And so Daniel, I learned a lot about early on, and from that time, for a lot of reasons, it's been a, mm-hmm. a pretty big favorite of mine. And what I love about it the most is that Daniel is a book about sovereignty, God's sovereignty. All kinds of crazy things happening on the earth, mm-hmm. but what you'll see through Daniel is that God has been in charge, in control, calling the shots. So that's that's pretty exciting. So. With that, you know, what, I, what I'd like to do is to start with Jesus and work backwards for a second. Amen. And, um, you know, Jesus gave us a lot of prophecy in, you know, the New Testament. But in particularly Matthew 24, everybody's always interested about the end times. So this is kind of a passage that gets people jazzed up. We're only going to read like four verses there. But uh, go ahead and, and take us into Matthew.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'll start in Matthew uh, chapter 24. We're going to read verses 5 through 8. This is the NIV version. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places all these things are the beginning of birth pains.
1: So the beginning of birth pains. And I'll just make one comment there. Now, when a woman goes into labor, the way that the doctors tell, one of the the signals for the woman more than anybody, um, are when those birth pains, the contractions, get closer and closer together, it means the baby Is coming sooner and sooner and sooner. So, you know, the first it might be 15 minutes apart when they first happen, but then all of a sudden they go down, they go it drops, and they could stay in different levels for a long period of time, but then it starts moving. So, Jesus describes the end times like the beginning of birth pangs and then it escalates rapidly. So, pretty amazing. That so that one statement that you read sweeps millennia Mm. okay and we are still not at the end today we're still not there at the end instead we're merely at the beginning of the birth pangs right so as the end approaches wars are going to escalate disasters will strike harder and faster but even so jesus encourages us not to be afraid how can you say that like when, when you think about that it's like Wait a minute, you're talking about imminent disasters and wars and, you know, crazy stuff happening and death and all this. And yet Jesus says, do not be afraid. Right? How can Mm -hmm. he say that? Because he understands the whole scope of God's redemptive plan. And this is part of it. He sees the sunlight beyond the storm. Mm -hmm. Right? We're in the middle of the storm and we don't see anything. But Jesus knows when the sunlight's going to come, when the sky breaks open, and the good news is that the storm is passing or, you know, finally gone. He's confident that the ship carrying God's people will make it through and arrive at port. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, so I'd ask all of us, you know, those listening tonight, you know, us, and we'll, we'll have to be that audience, right, for yeah. them, but... So I'll ask how confident are you about
0: the future? I'm confident about the future in that I know that that Jesus has it. So listen, uh, right? Our lives are but missed. That's scriptural.
1: Right? So nobody likes to think about nobody
0: that, nobody likes to think about that, <laughs> but it is the truth. So if we if we know, you know, who we belong to, then there's really not anything to worry about in the end because our lives are gonna are gonna end anyway, at least in this tent of a body.
1: And I think we know that. Like our mind can grab that. Right? But our heart maybe it's the opposite. Our heart understands that, that God's word is true and we, we love him. But our mind processes what we see in the news. Yeah, and that's what true. goes on.
0: Right, the fight against the flesh.
1: And, and you're in this battle and you know, you're wondering what the heck is, is gonna happen. So Does the chaos of our times have you biting your fingernails? You know, worried or filled with anxiety? You know, it always seems to be cyclical
0: to me on some level, but I understand, I certainly understand uh, people's trepidation about just events uh, politically, um, economically, globally, all these things that are happening. Like, I certainly understand their trepidation. There's a lot, you know. At least on the surface to be worried about, you know, day to day, like, oh, my goodness, you know, like my kids, like what kind of world are they going to grow up in or this, that and the other thing. So there I I can at least I can at least sympathize with them because
1: it's kind of like the unknown, like like we know God's got it, but we don't know what that means hour by hour, mm -hmm. day by day. And some people get worried. But the more you understand how much God loves us, the more you you get it.
0: Yeah. Where you yeah.
1: feel, okay, I'm, um, um, I'm, I'm okay, and um, you know Daniel, believe it or not, was given to us this book, this prophet, this this series of stories from beginning to end, was given to us to actually calm our worries. Many people read the book of Daniel and go, Oh my God, what's going to happen? <laughs> but it, it's actually given to say, Hey, don't worry. And the the reason I say that, if you've never read the book of Daniel, it starts off with Daniel being taken prisoner, you know, with all these people, the king of Babylon coming down, storming, you know, into Israel, uh, into Judah, into Jerusalem, and taking the nobility captive. That was in 605 B.C. Mm -hmm. And then he comes back again, you know, in, you know, a little bit later. And it was 596, let's say. And then it comes back again for a final destruction yeah, of the temple yeah. and, you know, a decimation of the people in 586 B.C. So it, it, it gets crazy. It really does get you biting your fingernails. But this book teaches us that God is sovereign, totally in control in the affairs of mankind. And not just from a spectator point of view, not just a, I'll jump in now and then, but actually in planning the events. Mm. So, that's what brings us peace and calm. Now, as we, we begin this new series, <clears throat> we're you know, we're calling it the invisible hand. And, you know, as we begin it, we need to acknowledge a few realities about the subject of prophecy in general. First off, people are hungry about prophetic information and understanding it. Um, have, you, have you noticed the rise for instance, in the occult in recent years.
0: Oh my goodness, yes. It's actually, it's it's crazy because I feel like sometimes it's becoming partially mainstream. Yes. And like how people are like uh, social media advertising it or what <clears throat> not. Um, oh,
1: just think, the interest in mediums and clairvoyance, right? Movies and TV shows regularly make heroes out of psychics who are in tune with the spirit world. As an example. Yeah um you know even with our scientific knowledge people still map out their lives um with a horoscope in hand right from the from the paper the, the daily <laughs> yeah. paper people are hungry for spiritual guidance mm-hmm. and unfortunately they're feeding themselves poison yeah they look in know? the wrong places Lo- wrong places you know was it, was that old song looking for love and all no, the, the wrong places, places. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> faces. Just yeah. Reminded me of that. um you know the only true source of information about the future is the bible why because God is the only one that knows the future. Satan is an angel, fallen. He's a fallen angel. He's a powerful angel, but he can only be in one place at one mm. time. He does not hold the attributes that God has. God is all knowing, all powerful, all present. You know, and Satan is not. He can right. be at one place at one time, and he's operating. Plan- he has a minion of of you Know angels at his disposal, right? Again, we call them demons, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and th- th- that sounds crazy in and of itself when you talk all like this, right? But it's the reality, and when you understand what it, you see, yeah, and and exactly. So, all right, so first, people are hungry for this information. Secondly, there is a great imbalance among students of prophecy, some prophetic enthusiasts, right, neglect the rest of God's Word and studying nothing but prophecy. And there are people that, I just want to know what's in the future, I just want to know. But you cannot understand the prophecies without understand, understanding the, the, the greater counsel of God, the greater plan of redemption, the, the greater plan for humanity. You, you just can't do it. We have hundreds of books that set dates for events and name specific situations that look like they're fulfilling age-old predictions right? However, God gave us prophecy not to tickle our curiosity about tomorrow, right? But to motivate us to live for Him today and to keep us pure and to energize our mm-hmm. faith. He's telling us, are you standing with me because I've got all of this under my control? That's why He's given us prophecy so that we can understand that. Amen. So that's second. Amen. Thirdly, prophecy is a frequent theme in the Bible. It's a solid stone in the foundation of our faith, right? The New Testament alone refers to Christ's return. So Jesus came, Mm -hmm. he came from heaven, he's the second member of the Trinity, right? Second person of the Trinity. He is God, he was their creation. In fact, Colossians 1, 15 to 17 tells us that he's the one that created. Mm. Okay, so we know he's there. He came, he lived, he died for our sin. And then he talks about his return. So does all the New Testament. And his return is spoken about 318 times in 260 chapters in the New Testament. That's amazing. That's impressive. Right? To me. And all of the prophecies, by the way, that have come to fulfillment, which is, they say approximately 85 to 90% have all been 100% accurate. All right. Now, people are inquisitive and they want to know how it's all going to end. But the purpose of prophecy is to tell us how we should live now. Yes, yes. It's it's not there to say, here's what's going to happen to you. Here's what's going to Be ready for this. And then we watch and we look for this. No, no. It's because I'm in control. You know, Listen to what I'm saying, listen to my message, listen to the plan of redemption, listen to what it means. You need to know Jesus Christ
0: Amen.
1: and knowing that you will know that in light of the fact that God holds the future and the future is in his hands, you can trust him with everything else that he says.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it's
1: about. So I want to turn to the book of Daniel. Okay. I want you to read for us. We'll do. Chapter one. It's not a long chapter. So, so go ahead and read the whole
0: thing. All right. So this is the, uh, the NIV version. In the third year of the reign of Jokahim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jokahim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical deficit, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were, who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Then Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed, and to this he tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice of food and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand the visions of dreams and and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So he entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom.
1: Okay. Appreciate you reading that whole thing there. I, I labeled this so the series is the invisible hand why because we can't see God with our with our eyes but when we step back and through the prism of scripture we see him at work right this podcast is called what
0: mostly unseen <laughs> mostly
1: unseen this is where that name comes from mm. it is most God is mostly unseen by the eyes of Of the flesh but very much seen by his people because when you're steeped in God's Word and you look at world events they all make sense right so this first chapter I'm calling the great test it's a great test let me give you a quick really one minute you know kind of history on what's going on there's battles you know of land grabs and power encounters and all kinds of things from country to country. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar fights against Egypt. Egypt's fighting against him. Guess who's in the middle? The land of Israel. So everybody's got to come through there, right? The land of Assyria, um, the Hittite Empire. You can go back and see all these, you know, incredible empires and everybody wanting power. Now, Daniel... You know, there was three attacks. Basically, I'm just going to make it simple for people in case they don't know the background. But in 605 BC, it's the first foray that King Nebuchadnezzar makes in and takes prisoners. He takes the nobility. He's got a plan for them, and we'll see that unfold. Then a little bit later, it comes back, and you know, I think it was 597, and he attacks again, taking more people, and you know, just um, letting them know who's in charge. Then in 586 B.C., he comes with a final, you know, beatdown. And he crushes the nation, destroys the temple. That was earth-shattering because this is the Temple of Solomon. This is the temple that they believed God's presence, and it was truly there. They believed rightly. God's presence was there in the Holy of Holies. But God will not abide with a people that is disobedient. He warned them, he gave them prophets, he told them, and finally he lifted his glory and left his own temple and allowed his people to be taken. And it was shocking. The people never thought that would happen, Mm. but it does. So Daniel was taken in that first wave and he's educated um, and that's what this is all about. He's put into training. Um, We're highlighted, there's a couple hundred that were taken, but it's highlighted for us here that these four men, right, were taken and brought in. And that's who we're going to see throughout the book of Daniel. (laughs) And you can think of a lot of the Israelites being represented by them. So Daniel's about 16 to 18 years old at the time that this happens. Now, I want you to think of something. If a 16-year-old from America was taken today like this, they're not, most of them, in the same place that Daniel was, why? Daniel, you know, in other cultures, I think what has happened, Satan has, has, has pulled the wool over our eyes. He's convinced us that fighting our children's battles, fighting for our children, defending them at all costs. Why? Because really what happens is we become, our children become an extension of us and we live vicariously through them. And many of our children aren't ready to move out till they're 30 years old. 35, some, never, some of them. That was a mistake that we've made as a nation. And so our kids are immature. All of them? No. Many of them? Yes. Okay. So now the character gets tested. Tests of character are the toughest tests to pass. Tougher than state bar exams, medical exams, medical board exams. Uh, even oral exams for a PhD, all rolled into one, it's more difficult. Why? Because when our integrity is on the line with mm-hmm. character, we must go beyond mere knowledge and dig deep into the very bedrock of who we are. That's it's, it's like the deepest part of us. When that gets tested, right, people say that, you know, these tests form character. I say, no, no, it's the, it's the opposite. You know what I'm going to say. Yeah, it defines it. It it reveals it.
0: It reveals it, yes.
1: Yes. So it shows who we are. So the Bible talks, and here's a sidebar. The Bible talks about temptation. The Bible talks about testing. Is there a difference? There is. There is. Temptation comes from where? The
0: enemy. Hmm. Testing comes from the Lord.
1: Exactly. Temptation is to get us to disobey, to trip us up to lure us away. What is testing for?
0: Testing is to strengthen us in the Lord.
1: And how does it do that?
0: I mean, there's scripturally or just...
1: Uh, well, in this I mean, way, you, and I'm not giving you enough.
0: Okay. If, I was going to say Abraham you, and Isaac to, show, to show Abraham how much that he actually loved God, that he wasn't willing to hold anything back. That so was... that
1: test for Abraham was to, to reveal to Abraham, not to God. God. God knows all things. Does God know what you're going to do when a test comes?
0: Oh, yeah, of course.
1: Okay, does he know what you're going to do when a temptation comes? Yes. Okay, he knows all things. Yes. So when he tests us, it's never for him to find something out. He already knows it. So what is the testing for?
0: It's refining us.
1: It's helping us. And if you are truly following God, you want those tests.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: When you are a true student, you want to be tested with the knowledge, right, that you've been learning. Mm. Because you want to know, do I know can I pass this? Am I ready to face the next step? That's what you want to know. People that aren't ready, that are immature, they just want to cheat on the test. They want to get the answers. They want to make get the passing grade. They want to move to the next point. And that is, is disastrous, right? So tests of character are the greatest and worst kind of tests. Great for those that are really wanting to know Am I fit? Am I where I think I am? And God blesses us Mm -hmm. with the test. So we get the test. Now, our integrity is on the line. Character tests, right? They expose our hidden flaws. But they also reveal our strengths. Our determination to love, for instance. Our commitment to honesty, for instance. Our faith in God. In the first chapter of Daniel, we'll see a young man stripped of every external support of his faith and identity in God. That's what we see. That's intentional by God. He wants us to see a prime example. Now, Daniel, God has been working in his life. He chose Daniel for this moment. He knows which tests Daniel will pass, which in this book is all of them. He wants us to see this. Okay, so few of us have ever, or will ever face such a test as Daniel did. Now, Daniel, though he goes through all of this, and he's only 16, 18 years old, he emerges not only with his beliefs intact, but with a character that will shine God's light throughout his life. So let's see how he did it. Now. It is in Daniel, by the way, and this is just for people that are trying to put it all together, that are, you know, maybe students of the Bible a little bit. In Daniel, we see the times of the Gentiles begin. Luke refers to them. Turn to Luke, if you would, Mike, in chapter 21, and you're going to read verse 24. But Daniel kind of um, helps us understand when the times of the Gentiles began.
0: They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled.
1: Till so the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The moment this temple was destroyed, Israel lost its sovereignty in the world. They have not yet gained it back. They just—they've just gained it back in 1948. So, yeah. and then they were attacked right? The Six Day War, Mm -hmm. the Yom Kippur War, you know, they've been beaten down on, they've been on the front pages of the news ever since. But they've just restored their sovereignty. The times of the Gentiles are coming to a close. That's what this tells us. Now, that means we are nearing the end times. Now, I don't know, the end times could be 100 years. It could be 10 years, it could be 5 years, we don't know. But all this is given to us, not to know the times, but to live the yes, life, yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Very,
1: very important, right now.
0: And I just want to say, I find that actually very important for people who are who are believers and not believers, because you know the problem is, is you get sometimes these people on the streets that are saying the end is near, and people say, "Oh, that's a Christian because he's calling out the end is near." If you're really of God, then you kind of you kind of know. But in we started out in Matthew chapter twenty four, but in chapter twenty five, Jesus says. You don't know the day or the hour. Be yeah. vigilant for sure, but nobody knows the day or the hour. So when, you know, which goes along with chapter 24 what he was saying. So for people that do believe when someone comes out and says, "Oh, the end is like today" and things like that and then uh, you know a non-Christian goes to throw it in their face, say, "Listen, no, that's not scriptural." No, you're you
1: right. You have to know your word. And Jesus died, buried, rose up and ascended, and what did the angels say? He's going to what?
0: He's going to reign. And, and come he's going to come back. On a cloud. In and... And the
1: same way he went up. And when they asked Jesus, when will this happen? His own disciples, what did Jesus say?
0: He said, he said only the Father knows.
1: Yes, no man knows. And not even the Son right now, because mm-hmm. Jesus was in his human state. No. It's not for you to know these things. That's not what's important. What's important is this. Understand, I am coming back. I'm coming back to judge the living and the dead. So that's a that's a statement for us to live for him right amen so that's and that's exciting so the first Gentile king to trample underfoot the Israelites was Nebuchadnezzar in 605 BC <clears throat> then the, the Gentiles will reign until the coming of Christ so that is is powerful now. When we think of this, um, it was Nebuchadnezzar. He trampled them down. He destroyed the temple in 586 BC. He helped himself to some of the temple treasures. He selected a group of Judah's Judah's finest men uh, to be taken to Babylon as his private servants to put them into training. And why would he do this? Because he he has a great strategy. Mm. You know, take away their identities. Give them over, you know, give them everything that a noble would get the king's choice food, all the things, the training of Babylon. They're gonna have high positions. Why? Because when I bring the rest of your people down, you're their leaders and you'll keep them in check. And that's why he's yeah, doing that's this. smart, very smart. So, this is where Daniel enters the scene. This is where we pick up and facing the test. So, the course that he's getting in that three-year, that the four men are getting, and others too, in this three-year indoctrination, um, Nebuchadnezzar wanted these young men to walk, talk, and think Babylonian. He wanted to erase what? Their heritage, their homeland, their gods, their faith in those things. So he set on a very robust course to take all that away we're doing that nationwide now. We're not doing that just to a handful of people because the world is much larger. We need a larger scale. So we took over the educational systems and we didn't. The enemy did early on. We took prayer out of schools, right? In the 1960s, we brought abortion in. We brought that crazy stuff, like all kinds of stuff. And you know, now, we're at a point where the Christian faith is the only one being persecuted against. Yeah. It's a Right, you can
0: believe whatever you want, but don't don't be a follower of Christ.
1: Exactly, right? So, think of this. They renamed all the young men. Why? Those names meant things. Their three names meant they, they were named after their god. Mm. He names them after the Babylonian gods. So, to to wipe everything out. Their studies would have included agriculture, architecture, astrology, astronomy, law, mathematics, you know, religion, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Even the food was intended to compromise and erase their convictions. Everything. You know, most people could never stand up against this. We're not even standing up, and we're not facing any consequences. And, and our nation is buying into all the, the newness, you know, the TikTok, the, all the social media crap that's out there and we're getting all our information in sound bites, and only by the media sources, you know, that that control this. So it is dangerous. It is crazy. But you know what? God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. That's what God's about to show us through the Book of Daniel. Now, Daniel, you know, talk about passing the test. There's there's four contributors to Daniel passing the test. His inner conviction. Take read for us again, chapter one, verse eight read this I, I love this
0: but did, but daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and he asked that the chief official he asked the chief official permission not to defile himself in this way
1: daniel determines ahead of time not to do this why because the dietary laws of the jews would not permit him to eat what the king was serving daniel knows he wants to take a stand he can't take it in a lot of ways But he can take it on, he has control of what goes into his body. So he wants the king to give him a special diet. That's a big step of faith for a 16 to 18 year old kid, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the private chamber of his own heart, Daniel set up a wall like resolve that he would not compromise. What did he use as foundational material? The scripture he learned from home, no doubt. And those convictions handed down from the reformations of say King Josiah that predated Daniel and the teachings of the great prophets Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. That was was the first thing. That was his first defense, first contributor. second one was a wise approach. Daniel used wisdom that God gave him. Daniel's approach showed great wisdom. Mm -hmm. He could have defied the order and just refused to eat. Kind of like a, you know, sit out. I'm going to I'm going to sit and I'm not going to eat and, you know, kind of protest that way. Instead, he built a bridge of understanding between himself and his superior. Smart guy. Yeah. He pleaded passionately not to defile himself and then listened to the commander's point of view. Listen to verse 10.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he says, um, in 10, he says, uh, the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of the Lord, my king, who has assigned you your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you.
1: Exactly. So he he understood what the what he was... So what did Tan, Daniel do? He offered...
0: Verse 12.
1: And what did he say?
0: Please test your servant for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance to that of the young men who eat and drank the royal food and treat your servant in accordance with what you see. Yeah.
1: So, so Daniel is negotiating and he's saying... I'm committed not to do this. I want you to help me in this. And give it a test. If you feel like your head's going to be on the line, I get that. He's saying, I understand. And if I were you, I would say the same thing. So he uses the wisdom God has given him. Now, the third thing that contributes is divine assistance. From the opening curtain of this drama, God has been the unseen director, setting the scene and guiding the players through their parts. According to verse 2, and I want you to read it before I say this.
0: And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim king of Judah, t- into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off of the temple of God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. That was verse 2. Did so you want to read
1: the very first part of that again?
0: And the Lord delivered Jehochakim king of Judah into his hand stop
1: who conquered who conquered the Jews God he God delivered Jehoiachin right into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar did Nebuchadnezzar do this so
0: verse 2 in chapter
1: (laughs) 1 lets us know and God is starting to unfold this for Daniel I did this. You're here, Daniel, because I put you here. I have a plan for you. Why? My people were disobedient. They were going down the wrong road. I needed to to change that trajectory. Amazing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what do we call this? Divine assistance. Divine intervention. According to verse 9, read verse 9 to us.
0: Now God had caused the officials to show favor and compassion to Daniel.
1: Stop. Yeah. God showed the officials. Did Daniel see that happen? No. Did, was Daniel aware it was going to happen? No. Do you think Daniel had some concerns? Oh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> but all of a sudden, Daniel sees God show up again. That Why is this official giving me the 10 days? Mm-hmm. But holy cow. Right, this he wouldn't great. do it for anybody
0: else, but... <laughs> yeah,
1: but, but wow. So Daniel's starting to learn that that holding his position, saying no, not compromising, is starting to work in his favor. So now, I, I believe clearly that Daniel would have put, you know, connected the dots, put two and two together. So now, it was God who gave the four young men greater intelligence than all the others. Read verse 17.
0: To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning.
1: Stop. Read that again, slowly, real slowly.
0: To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning.
1: So they were put in there with all kinds of many people into this three-year college course. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, what does it say?
0: You could understand all of it. Because of? Because of the Lord.
1: God gave to them the understanding that superseded, went beyond all his contemporaries. Why? Because God had a plan and God needed that to happen to execute his plan. Did Daniel know that ahead of time?
0: No. Did
1: Daniel know that would happen that way? No. So Daniel put his faith in God that God would do something, that God would show up. Okay? So we had it three times right there. Verse two, verse nine, verse 17. Mm. Although the Jewish captives were living under the shadow of divine discipline, meaning God disciplined his people, brought them into slavery, right? Mm-hmm. If you will, into, you know, servitude of the king. When he did that, right, Daniel had no idea that God's plan, uh, what it was about to encompass. And yet God, he started to see God's work little by little by little. And God reveals this to him. So God had not abandoned them. He separated them from the land of promise and from the temple that was so, so critical, so important to the Jews. It was the very essence of God's presence. But even though the temple was destroyed, somehow God's presence was here, even in Babylon. Not just in the temple in Jerusalem, that God was here. His hand was moving silently in the thoughts and feelings of Jews and non-Jews alike, changing attitudes, affecting decisions, and as a result, altering history. That's our God. Amen.
0: Amen. Right?
1: It's I mean, it's powerful. Oh, yeah. The fourth thing was unique distinctions. Because Daniel stood by his principles, right, and trusted God for the, the results, God honored him. He honored him with some special talents and distinctions making them different, better, above, smarter, more wise than their contemporaries that would sustain him. for and, and those distinctions would sustain him for the rest of their lives. Read verses 18 to 21.
0: At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found no one equal to Daniel, Hanaya, Amishael, and Emishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom.
1: Wow. What? Ten times better? The, the other people that are in his kingdom, these are learned people. These are people with, you know, all kinds of degrees. And they grew up
0: there and knew the language.
1: Yes, and knew the language. (laughs) It it was their native language. And then each of them had their field of study. Daniel knows all their fields of study. But ostensibly from education, only a little. He hasn't had the years behind him to advance in those studies. Mm. So what happened?
0: God gave Uh, them the knowledge and wisdom way beyond.
1: Unbelievable. Nebuchadnezzar had chosen Daniel to demonstrate Babylonian power and supremacy, right? He singled him and the the other three as well. But Daniel, in the next chapters, he gets distinguished even more so. Mm -hmm. Now, ironically, though, Daniel outlived Nebuchadnezzar, which was interesting, and his successors and even the empire itself. He lived until the days of Cyrus, Mm. ruler of the Medes and Persians, who conquered Babylon and continued to serve them. So, amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, God, it shows God's love for Daniel too, um, just how much he loved him. And he says, God says in Proverbs, he says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Listen, in the the utmost pressure, Daniel was seeking God.
1: You know what, Mike? You're you're exactly right. He says something else, too. Those of us, those people, his people, those that humble themselves, God exalts. Mm. He raises them up. So, in many ways, you could say that, you know, when we look at the world, how do people get ahead? They, They get ahead by studying by really doing their thing and best they can but they also know that you can only get ahead by who you know like to the to the highest positions so you might step on the people around you you might make them look bad you might try to you know um undercut them you may become a workaholic trying to outshine them you might you know put your family you know sideline them so that you can advance your career, all these things, right, that, that we do. Daniel shows, up, so shows us that we don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. God's way up is down. Mm-hmm. Humble yourself before me. I will raise you up in good time. That's what God says. Amen. Right?
0: And so. he more than equipped them. He mm-hmm. gave him, you know, if you go into um, into First Corinthians, God talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Here's two very mm-hmm. present ones right here, wisdom and knowledge. Absolutely. And he just—I mean—they're—they're they're on full and display prophecy. and prophecy, right? Three gifts, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he definitely gets into chapter two. In, in chapter but, two, yes. but yeah, he really—you know—you're looking at so much of God at work here. It's just you have to see the layers of it to go into, which is what I love about mostly unseen. There's a, a, absolutely there's there's a great uh,
1: saying, some to some people it might be cliche, but think about this. God does not call the qualified; Mm -hmm. He qualifies the call. He called Daniel because he knew Daniel's heart. Daniel was humble. Daniel would obey. Daniel's faith was strong. And God said, this man I can use. And I'm going to use it. And Daniel rose up. Now, was Daniel's life a better roses?
0: No. Oh, my goodness, no. You think give about us, the first us, part when, when yeah, Nebuchadnezzar a, comes in. Piece. Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he kills kills like most of the people that he probably knew. And then took him captive away from any family he had into a new place. And I Daniel mean, did not what? He didn't waver.
1: He didn't turn his back on God. He saw God, although he probably could not understand what was going on. But he believed that God had it in control. So he said, God, I'm not going to look at my circumstances. I'm going to trust you. Who does that? people of faith. That's it. That's it. If you are not walking in faith, in the word, every day, talking to God, we call that prayer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: meditating on what scripture says so it sinks deeply and it becomes introspective to you. And then, what does Daniel 1.8 say? Daniel determined ahead of time. He resolved mm-hmm. not to eat of the king's food we have to decide now what would happen if i get you know put on the front line what would happen if if i was called to you know called to account what would happen if someone asked me do you believe in god when the world says god's a fable
0: oh my goodness
1: yeah we have to decide that because oh. if we don't decide it now, you know, do you remember the old, and i probably said this at other times, maybe even on podcasts, but you remember the old bracelet that people wore? W- what would Jesus do?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> what would Jesus do? And people said, you know how I live my life? I'm going to do what Jesus would do. I'm going to ask myself when I come into tough situations, what would Jesus do? And throughout the years, I thought, First I thought what a great thing to do. That's a great piece of advice. And it it is
0: the sentiment of it. Yes, for sure. It's a
1: great. Great thing. But then we have to, to look and say, wait a minute. If I don't live how Jesus lived, can I do what Jesus did?
0: Well, that's the thing. That's when your faith goes into action.
1: Yeah. So if I can, if I start, if I live any way I want and just kind of check into church once a week, once a month, a few times a year, Um, read my Bible occasionally, maybe catch the daily verse of the day off the Bible app. You know, if I do that, you know, I'm good. That's not going to take, that's not going to carry the day when the day gets difficult. Right. It's not going to. So I used to liken this. I thought about this when I was a young guy, you know, very young, in my 20s. And when I was a kid, Pete Rose was my favorite baseball player. And I would say, man, I want to be that guy. I used to love him diving headfirst into second base, third base, even in first base. And, you know, I used to love, that guy could stand, he'd choke up at third base. Some guy would, you know, come around on a ball early, a right-handed batter, put a screaming line drive, you know, outside the baseline. His reaction time was so good. He could dive and catch that ball. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how do you do that? And all I ever saw of Pete Rose was the two hours he played the game. But for every hour that Pete Rose played on TV, he put a thousand hours Mm -hmm. in. Out of the view of man. On the practice field. In the gym. You know, where he was mentally reviewing the game. Looking at Film of, of pictures, right? That's what Pete Rose did. Why could could I go if I wore a Pete Rose wristband, a Pete Rose glove that was autographed, had a Pete Rose autographed bat, had a Pete Rose you know uh, cleats that he wore, and even you know put the uniform of the of the Reds on? You know, could I do that?
0: Uh, no, no, you in your mind. <laughs> but maybe I'd love not, to. Not from the neck
1: down. <laughs> I felt like Pete Rose until I got on the field. Then I couldn't do what Pete Rose did because I didn't put the hours in that Pete Rose put in. You want to be like Jesus? You want your character defined by the things of God? You want to pass the test that God gives? You have to put the hours in.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's and very true. It's, and
1: it's not work that does it, it's the hours of knowing God. It's the relationship. For Pete Rose, it was the hours of baseball. Mm-hmm. But for us, you want to endure the, the 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 exam, it's going to be come to know Jesus. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: Learn your scripture. So true. Meditate on it day and night. So true. Take it with you through your days. Pray. Talk to God. You know, and look at Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit. How are you doing there? In fact, you know what? Just read it. Yeah read that passage i know that wasn't you know something that we talked about at all or no but know, but i do love this one yeah it's a great but the great... fruit of the
0: spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law
1: okay i think it is the fruits of the spirit when you come become a believer who comes to live inside of you the holy spirit and the holy spirit does what
0: well, he changes you. We should start.
1: We, we call you if you want to use a theological word. Can you think of the word offhand? Uh, the word holy, almost. It comes from that root word.
0: See, now I'm stuck on like. Uh, it's okay.
1: No, yeah, it's. I'm not giving you a, a whole lot. To sanctify.
0: Oh, sanctify I the process that's of that's sanctification. Right. Yeah, salvation. Sanctification. Right. Yes.
1: Why do we call a place where we gather on a Sunday a sanctuary?
0: Because it's where we go to work.
1: It's where we go. Be sanctified. It's where we go to meet God, and when the Holy Spirit works on us, when we hear the Word delivered from the pastor or whoever is giving it that day, when we pray, when we fellowship with our our fellow believers, and and what happens there is iron sharpens iron.
0: Yeah. So one man sharpens another. Yeah. Proverbs uh, twenty seven seventeen.
1: Exactly. And so when we think of that, when we live this, when we do this, this is what the Christian life is yeah. about. This is the life God yeah. has given us. the world around us that's not the world that's going to live at the end day. They're not going to survive the things that we see what Hollywood puts out, the TV puts right, right, out right. all the
0: sensationalism of,
1: it's it's all the things that's volley. not real yeah what's real is what can be tested by the fire of God yeah and that fire will test us and that fire is brought on by the Holy Spirit yeah amen. Yeah. And so he, he cuts away the other stuff and says, what's really there? Yeah. And those yeah. thousands of hours that we put in, that's really there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And if you don't mind, I want to add to that. You know, a lot of people, it's funny. They are, you know, when they when they start with their salvation and you do, you know, uh, uh, Romans 10, 11, you know, they declare it. Okay, there's your salvation. But then the thing is, you have to go somewhere from there. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's it's part of the world that people are like well i don't i don't know if i can get into the the getting into the word and read the bible and i'll tell you this i'll say this to them it's a great thing to read the word because that is your that is everything that you need basic instructions before leaving earth is how they they, they put it but it's everything that you need to at least keep going and it's not a mental ascent but it's a spiritual ascent and mental ascent absolutely so you have to work through both but i'll say this knowing the word is so important because you can be a Christian but if you don't know the word you are bound to make mistakes that you would not otherwise Mm -hmm. make because you didn't know it so you didn't have it as ammo to back you up or understanding and unfortunately I am a a testament to that Mm. on many levels and you know diving into the word and you can and you can do it anywhere. You can listen to, you know, our mostly unseen podcast, or there are plenty of other Bible study apps that you can listen to on the way to work. Instead of listening to music or talk radio, you're you're driving for 45 minutes. Listen to a Bible study. You'll be amazed what you learn in a month. So when what you, you go verse by verse there's, no there. there, there's so much out there. You can do it you can do it while you're literally that's always downtime. You're on the train going to the city. You're driving in your car going to work you know people are commuting great three resources. hours a
1: day yes two I, hours a day you know how much you can learn in a couple hours a day do you have a favorite website you go to or you look at well i actually believe it or
0: not i love to listen to ours but i also uh i really enjoy listening to we were talking about the jesus movement before you know yeah. what there was a lot of uh famous people that came out of that from uh you know preaching skip heidzig does a great Verse by verse thing of the Bible yeah. that you can just listen to, and it's about it. each cast is about an hour long, Yeah. and just like ours, and you can get into them, and you can listen, and you learn a lot yeah. about the Lord. And like I said, then you go you home to study, and you the, want to study. Right. There's, there's plenty of them There's plenty of them. There's the Bible app. Bible app is is great Bible hub is, is yeah. Awesome. And that'll give you so much breakdown. How about gotquestions.org. out Another great one. Yeah. yeah. There's so many great ones. And yeah. it's, you know, and there's audio versions of it, oh, most of the gosh. websites. So
1: logos.com, BibleGateway.com. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, blue letter Bible. Yep. You know, dot com. Yeah, there's that, so like, many of them out there. We have no excuse if we say, I didn't know the Bible or I didn't Oh, my goodness. There's so many There's I so many ways tips.
0: about it. And you know what? You'll read something inevitably that you don't understand in it. And hopefully the Spirit lets it burn inside of you so you want to know. Yes. And you start really diving in. And that's yes. how it starts. And you just start going from there. And you listen to it and you learn. And you learn that, you know what? The Bible is not scary. It is God's love oh letter to us.
1: And I would say this. Forget pop culture. And, yes. And, and, because that's not going to do anything for you. You might you might get something on Jeopardy and win a, a contest, but other than that, you know, it's it's the word of God, what God wants, what God is doing, what God's will is that's gonna bring us across the finish line. And you know, so if if you do not know Christ, you wanna know him. How do you do that? It's 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 easy and hard. Mm-hmm. It's easy because all we have to do is say Humble ourselves take us off the throne of our lives. That's the most difficult. That's why it's hard. And we say, Lord Jesus. I cannot do this on my own. I cannot fix my life. I cannot, you know, cross that finish line without you. It's not about me. It's about you. Mm -hmm. He died for Mm -hmm. us. He died to take away our sin. And he'll only take that away from you. If you bow before him, you kneel, you ask you, you. Come to Christ, confess your sin, and ask his forgiveness, he'll raise you up. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit will come in you in inside. Remain there forever. And that is the beginning of your journey. It's the end of your old life. Amen. And that can break yes. everything. It can break addiction. It can it can break. So everything. many
0: things, so many things.
1: Right? So, so we want to encourage people, start out. your faith in Christ God is gonna you know help you cross that finish line and if you really love somebody if you
0: really love somebody in your life you know the Bible is God's love letter to you wouldn't you love to be able to write a love letter back
1: absolutely yeah right yeah and yeah listen we you know in our future broadcasts we're gonna definitely talk about you know the spiritual things that Mm. we need some of the what we might call a spiritual discipline discipline yourself to read and study God's Word Discipline yourself to pray. We're going to show you how. Talk about how. You know, discipline yourself to to you know meditate. Medi- meditation is the key. You know, and meditation is not like Eastern meditation where you empty your mind. In Christian meditation, meditation, meditation is filling your mind mm-hmm. with with God. It's prayer. a
0: medication too. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it cleans out a lot of bad it, things. It does. It solves. It cures a
1: lot. So anyway, we're coming to the end of our hour, and uh, I think it'd be great. You know. Maybe to to give people the opportunity to to just give their lives. To oh Christ yeah, yeah. Maybe do that for us, Mike. Oh. Close in prayer and give them that opportunity.
0: Lord Jesus, we thank you for being able to sing your praise and and spread your gospel, Lord, your good news. Um, and I pray if there's anyone out there listening, and you just you've y- your life might be screwed up, or maybe you even think it's good. Whatever you think it is, you're gonna realize that you're gonna need somebody somebody much, much bigger than you. And all you need to do is open your heart and say, you know what, Jesus? Whatever I've done, either good or bad, I realize in the end, I'm not that much. But you are. So Lord, bring me down and come into me, Lord. Teach me and give me that fire to be with you, Lord. And and I just pray that for anybody out there that that you just you just search and you just and all you need and it's simple you just come to the lord lord you know what i'm a sinner and i'm sorry I, you know teach me guide me love me let me love you and then your journey begins mm-hmm. and then your journey begins so i pray that anyone out there please if you just feel it and make that step i promise you this you'll never regret it you will never ever regret it It'll be a change in your life that you don't know how you were alive before. I don't know how else to put it. And Lord Jesus, we we thank you. Thank you for what you've done. In your holy name, set apart from all others. Amen. Amen. Amen.